The history of neuroscience is steeped in the concept of reverse engineering. For those of you unfamiliar with this, consider taking a radio. You remove the back, and unless you have a basis in electronics, you're probably unaware of what all the little complications do. Now, whilst the radio is playing, if you suddenly cut a wire and the right speaker stopped working, you kind of get an idea what that speaker and what that wire does. In essence, this is what happened in neuroscience and anatomy. Subsections of the brain injured by cases of trauma, tumours or ischemia resulted in subsequent loss of function. And this gave an overview of what that specific area affected did. So, whilst this is rudimentary, it's a nice way to consider a simplified model of what each component of the brain does. Following in the footsteps of our predecessors then, let's discuss the main parts of the brain and very simply think of their corresponding function. think of the brain, many textbooks divide three main divisions. That is the forebrain, the midbrain and the hindbrain. Your forebrain is referred to as the cerebrum or the superior bulk of what most people see as the human brain. Your midbrain, which is, well, the midbrain, it's the middle part, and that sits as the base of the brain. Your hindbrain is referred to as the brainstem and the posterior inferior little brain called the cerebellum. Now, a more contemporary simplified version of this reorganises into the cerebrum, the brainstem including the midbrain, and the cerebellum. Let's discuss each of these in their location and explore their basic function. First of all, your brainstem. It sits atop of the other subsections of your central nervous system, your spinal cord. Evolutionary speaking, it is the oldest part of your brain. And this explains its rudimentary function, which is essentially service provision. Breathing, heart rate, temperature, all the automatic things you really don't want to be thinking about. It is absolutely key for life. And even in the lowest order animals, we see the brainstem quite well developed. A definition of death is brainstem death, or at least one of them. Now, your brainstem also has three subparts. The most inferior is the fantastically named medulla oblongata. Superior to this is the pons, which means bridge. And above the pons is the midbrain, which sits at the base of your brain. Now, the pons and midbrain bridges and integrates and relays much of the information from areas of the peripheral and central nervous system, such as motor function, sensation, eye movements, hearing, taste, the list goes on. Many of these from the cranial nerves. So pons, then, is a very suitable name. It also bridges the cerebrum and the cerebellum. Cerebrum and cerebellum, then. Do you like that segue? What about the functions of these two latter parts? Well, simply put, your cerebellum is involved in coordination, balance, and fine-tuning of your movements, and it deserves a detailed future podcast, I've no doubt. The cerebrum's function, well, that depends on the parts of lobe in question. So, your cerebrum. Let's talk cerebrum. Your cerebrum is divided into two halves or hemispheres, a left and a right hemisphere. The inner portions are filled with myelinated axons, which gives it a white appearance, hence white matter. The outer layer is referred to as the cerebral cortex, and this is where the axonal cell bodies live, gaining a relatively grey appearance and hence grey matter. 
This is the location of the immensely complex functions. And you can map each part to a relative function. But again, future podcasts for that one. However, the cerebrum is also organized into lobes, which are a simplified version of this complex cortical map. So let's talk about those. Each lobe of your cerebrum is organized and named after the corresponding bone of the skull it lives in, or vice versa. That's a chicken in the head debate I'm not going to get into. Now, the frontal lobe is the most anterior, and it lives, well, in the frontal bone. Its function is largely emotion, social interaction, impulse control, and motor innovation. These functions were discovered by unfortunate cases of trauma like poor Phineas Gage or the archaic, horrific and thankfully outdated procedure of a lobectomy, which to say said functions are lost is an understatement. Behind the frontal lobes is the paired parietal lobes then, a left and a right, and we can map the sensation and perception in these areas and perhaps cognition itself. Inferior to these, we see the paired temporal lobes, and they are housed in the temporal bone, in close proximity to your ears. Perhaps unsurprisingly then, they're involved in auditory perception, but also in memory. And then last but not least, we see the most posteriorly located lobe, the occipital lobe. And this is surprisingly somewhat involved in vision, despite being some distance from your eyes. However, remember, we see and hear with our brain, not our eyes and our ears, which may surprise some of you, but it's true. They're just fancy receptors, and your brain is this complex, fantastic processing unit that really is way more complex than I've described here. But this is a start, at least. So much to say, so little time. We discussed today the major parts of your brain, the bulky, clever cerebrum and its lobes with many functions. We spoke about the brainstem and its three subsections, the midbrain, the pons and the medulla that keep your body ticking. And briefly, we mentioned the coordinator of all this, the cerebellum. We didn't mention some of the lesser lobes, um, one of which is Sam's video has just done, so if you haven't seen that, go check that out. We should also talk about gyri, sulci, and finer details of some of the cerebral cortex, but we'll save that for another week. Enough to begin on with. My name's Chris Summers. I'll see you next week. <laughs>